You are listening to the Lifelong Athlete Podcast. This is your host, Dr. J.P. Guidry, Doctor of Physical Therapy, Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist, and Titleist Performance Institute Level 2 Fitness Professional. Uh, I believe we are all athletes, whether we participate in sport or not, and the idea of being a lifelong athlete is being ready for anything that comes in life, physically, mentally, financially, whatever. So, uh On this show, we'll discuss all topics related to that to help you be a better athlete, a more functioning human being, and live a higher quality of life. Hey there, lifelong athletes. Dr. J.P. Guidry here. Uh, here with a, a special episode today, um, I have on uh, Mr. Phil Clopas. You know, Phil is a he's a teacher, he's a coach, he's a father, uh, a husband. You know, it also happens to be a, a black man uh, living in the South. Here, you know, I grew up in the same town as Phil. We went to high school together, played basketball together, uh, and and I wanted to have him on here because. You know, I know who he is and I know, you know, whatever we talk about today, you know, whatever comes out of his mouth is going to be with the goal of, of making progress. And so for me, this episode is an opportunity for me to learn, uh, you know, to ask questions, to better understand, you know, the challenges of uh, you know, the African-American community that, frankly, like I've never experienced as a white middle class male uh, and to give Phil, Phil a platform to hopefully share those experiences, to share some knowledge and maybe open up further conversations for people that, you know, may not have been exposed to that. So uh, without further ado, thanks for coming on, Phil. And just why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself let's so the listeners can get to know you before we get started. Well, uh, like you said, man, I'm Phil Clovis, man, born and raised in South Louisiana. Uh, like you said, man, we grew up together, went to school. Um, I went to college in a town called Hannibal, Missouri, Um, met my wife there. Uh, She is a white woman. So when we moved back down to Sulphur, you know, some things, um, you know, happened and she never really was experiencing any of those things. So her being married to a person of color, she was kind of introduced to a world that she didn't know existed. She didn't like, she didn't um want to be a part of really so it's kind of like um culture shock she was she was disappointed in her own people because she didn't know it was going on so that's kind of like what you know these conversations need to be had and i've been blessed to have um white in-laws that i can have these conversations with in a setting to where um there's no holds barred you just let it go and then there's whatever happens happens so i believe this conversation today is going to be you know good for people to hear and 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 you know maybe challenge a few people to have these conversations of their own with people of color that they know yeah and that that's part of you know for me what i want to get from this is is you know 
I'll be very frank. My listenership is probably 25 to six year old, 60 year old white male. So, you know, that just happens to be the people that have listened to my podcast at this point. So, uh, you know, for me, hopefully this opens doors for me to have more guests on more people of color or other backgrounds. You know, I work in the golf and tennis communities. So if you know anything about golf and tennis, it's a very, you know, white dominated and it's a very, (laughs) (laughs) to say the least. And and it's a very privileged sport, even from a socioeconomic level, you know, you you have to be, you have to have a certain level of financial abilities to play these sports and for your kids to play these sports, that's just the reality of, of where it is. And so, uh, I, I do know that there isn't a lot of exposure to this in these atmospheres. And so I want to kind of be able to open that up to my listeners. I want to be able to share with you what I hear from people and I want to get your feedback on, you know, what, what you'll, as being part of that African-American community, how you feel about that, you know, how those things make you feel, what can we do together as well as just, the, you know, the white community to, to really truly help you, you know, that's more than just kind of words. Um, and so I hope we can, you know, at least accomplish that. And like we said, if we can at the very least get people to start thinking and to start having these conversations, uh, you know, I think that's a, a big step forward. Yes. So I'll tell you what, let's start with, because I'll tell you what kind of prompted me to reach out to you. Um, and, and I did comment on this post when you posted it, but you talked a little bit about fear uh, in all of this. And, you know, from my standpoint, I understand how motivating fear can be because I try to tap into it with my clients and patients to get them to make positive changes in life. So, you know, an example would be if someone's trying to lose weight, you know, I'm going to try to tap into you know, their deeper whys and their deeper fears of, you know, maybe it's dying young, not seeing their kids grow up, you know, whatever that may be to motivate them to make changes. And so I, I understand how motivating fear can be from the positive side, but I also understand how motivating fear can be from the negative side and how easy it is to create fear and sometimes manufacture fear that shouldn't be there to drive people's decisions. So um, what I'd like to do is maybe kind of share some of the things you talked about in that Facebook post and we can kind of go from there on your thoughts on fear as it plays a part uh, in these racial issues that we're dealing with. Okay. Yeah. So like Fear, man, is it's. I'll, I'll use this example. I'll throw this example out there to get things rolling. Okay, so from a child, I was always told a pit bull was a vicious animal. Okay, so now I'm 36 years old. Any pit bull I see, whether it's a puppy or if it's full grown or if it's on the chain or if it's off a leash, I'm afraid of it. And that causes me to not want to go to people's houses they got a pit bull. I don't want to go around anybody's yard if they have a pit bull. Even if their dog is, has been trained by um, somebody who you paid $10,000 to train the dog, I don't trust it because of that fear that was planted in me from birth. And, and what happens is you get people who fear color, and, and, and it goes white and black. And, and, and you'll, you'll say things like um, from elementary, hey, don't leave your uh, crayons out by that black kid. He might steal it. 
Um, don't leave your lunch out by that black kid. He might eat it. Um, don't leave your shoes by that black kid. He might steal it. And these things you, you, you harbor in your whole life and you become an adult and you meet a black man. And the first thing you think is he want to steal from me. He wants to hurt me. He wants to harm me. And it, it's not saying that you're a racist, but, but your fear of my skin causes you to treat me a certain way that you wouldn't treat somebody who looked like you. And, and that's, that's the underlying issue. I, I think people, I think people, um, use the word racist and it, it's such a racist is such an ugly word that nobody wants to be associated with it. But really the, 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 the prejudice you have is not based on racism. It's based on you fearing my skin. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I would kind of add to that. I think fear comes from a lot of what we don't understand, Yes, you know? And so maybe that is for our lack of educating yourself ourselves, or like you said, maybe it's from what, you know, you were just taught one thing a certain way. And so those, those fears were just built into you as a young child. Um, but I think as an adult, it's our responsibility to, learn more about whatever that you know, we're afraid of. So if it's, if we're afraid of someone of a certain color, then it's our duty to reach out and learn more about them. And, and, you know, obviously as you meet people and learn more about them, you're going to learn that, you know, most those fears aren't real, you know, they're, 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 you know, they shouldn't be there. Yes. And, and that's, and that's the challenge, man. Like you say, with your clients, how, how many, how many of your clients overcome fear instantly that that fear of the unknown causes people to not even reach out to somebody of the opposite race it's it's like it's like a hidden force field of i don't really know what's going on over there and i don't i don't want to touch it i don't i don't want to deal with it because i'm comfortable where i am you see what i'm saying i 100 percent agree and i'll 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 wholeheartedly admit of of being in that situation, you know, I, we're talking about this issue, uh, you know, with George Floyd, this is obviously by far from the first time something like this has happened. Um, and, you know, to be honest, this is probably the first time I've ever actually stepped out of my comfort zone to do something. You know, I've always approached it as, you know, man, that sucks. That's terrible. But, you know, I've got my own problems here. You know, let me just stay right here in my bubble and worry about my own issues. And, you know, I think that that's doing a disservice in itself. And so that's part of the reason I wanted to have this conversation is because for me, I feel this is the first step of something I can do to actually help the situation versus just kind of look at it and saying, yeah, I think that's terrible. I don't agree with this, but stopping there, you know, stopping with just those words or those thoughts. Yes. And, and, you know, most people, man, most people don't really believe that it's an issue as, as crazy as it sounds like most people like they 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 say things like uh, I don't want to hear the words black lives uh, matter because all lives matter. Well, yeah, all lives do matter, but that's not the issue right now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, and, and they they use that as an anti Black Lives Matter. Man, listen, it, the, the whole the whole issue doesn't just this isn't just George Floyd. OK, this this comes from a system that has been built to only benefit a certain type of people. OK, so 
when these laws were made that we live by today, black people were seen as property. It, it took three slaves to equal one white man when all these laws was written that we live by today. So the whole system itself wasn't even built to protect people of color that we live by today. And, you know, I, I made a comment on one of my Facebook posts about how the system is broken and, you know, it needs to be fixed. And, and one of my friends commented, a good friend of mine from um, St. Louis, her name is Angie. Um, and she said, you know what? The, the system isn't broken. It's doing exactly what it was designed to do. And, and that, really, that really hit me like, that's true. The, the system wasn't designed to protect people of color. And it's not. So it, it, the, the system isn't broken. It, it's actually working. But we need, it, we need a different system to protect all people, to protect, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it's hard. And I said this in one of my posts. I'm tired of praying to God for him to protect me from the people who should be protecting me. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that, you know, and that's where I think it's hard, you know, so for me, like, it's hard for me to relate to that. You know, I've, you know, I've gotten speeding tickets. I've gotten minor traffic violations. Like I've never once even had the thought enter my mind that something more than me just getting a ticket that I deserve for breaking the law was going to happen in that interaction, you know? And so, and, and same thing for my kids, you know, I'm a father, like I've never, you know, I have the normal fears of a parent would have, you know, nobody wants something bad happen to their kids, but I've never feared something bad is going to happen simply because of the color of their skin. So I think, you know, prior to this conversation, those are things that because I couldn't relate to them, I just stayed in my comfort zone and said, well, you didn't you think know, they existed. Yeah. 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 Correct. You know, I, I, that's a great way to put it. You know, I don't see that. I never, I've never experienced that in my life. You know, and so I've and I've seen it, but haven't seen it, I guess, is a better way to put it. You know, I've seen it like I grew up in South Louisiana, like I, I, I'm well aware of racism that exists out there. I've watched the news over the last, you know, however many years I've been an adult and seen these incidents happen. Um, you know, where I live now, I can drive 45 minutes south and I'm in the the ninth ward, the projects of New Orleans, and I can drive 45 minutes north and I'm in probably one of the major hotbeds of KKK activity. So it's like, I know those things are around me, but they don't directly affect me. I've never been directly involved in any of that. So it's, again, it's easier for me to just stay out of it than get involved at all. Yes. And, you know? and that's, that's the, that's where we need people to start stepping up. Like right now, and I'm not going to ask you to name them, but right now, where we grew up, you you knew some places where I couldn't go with you. You knew some places where I wouldn't be welcome, and 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 those places are still there. And 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 it's not going to take a a black person to call these places out because they're not going to listen. What's going to happen? We need white people to step up against these people and say. You need to start welcoming people of color here instead of just saying, well, you know, that's just how they was raised and you're not going to be able to go over there. It, that we, we have to we got to break that cycle, man, because they are continuing to teach that hate and passing it down. It, the cycle has to be broken. And, and let, let me give you an example. So um, my dad 
my dad um, was like one of the first group of people to when they segregated Sulphur High. So they went to Sulphur High from Mossville High. Okay. All the all the issues they had, all the all the people my dad got in fights with over racism. Whenever I went to school, I got into it with the with the same people he fought. I got into it with the, with their children over the same thing. It's just being passed down and passed down. So so what I'm trying to do now is I don't want my kids fighting their kids. Uh, it it got to stop somewhere, bro. And 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 we have to be active daily. Not just having one conversation a day, not just having um, making a few Facebook posts. This got this is something that was was passed down um, from generation to generation, and it's gonna take a generation to stand up against it and to stop it from getting passed down. That's where we come in. Yeah, and you know, like as I as I kind of think about this, and I thought about this a little bit last night, is is something I tell my clients is is change very rarely comes from being in a position of comfort from staying in your comfort zone. Um, and I'll be honest, like this, this, there was some degree of discomfort is in having this conversation. You know, I'm used to getting on this podcast and talking about golf or sports or fitness. And so this is, uh, you know, a big difference from that. And so, but I understand from the health and the fitness field that in order for people to make changes in those areas of their lives, they have to step out of that comfort zone and they have to break those habits they're used to. And I think this, uh, this has to happen for change anywhere, you know? And so that's probably been the biggest issue, at least from people in my position is it's, you know, you know, you know, maybe I'm not a racist or a, you know, I, I don't hate people because of their skin color, but I'm also not doing anything against it either. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm staying in my bubble. You know, and so that doesn't that doesn't lead to change either. And so, you know, I think from from our side, I think the best thing we can do is, is, you know, the old saying is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable when it comes to this this topic. And when it comes to having conversations with, you know, people of our family, our friends or whoever that, you know, may be they, you know, they say something hateful there, whatever it may be and being able to, instead of just sitting back and being like, yeah, that, that was a terrible thing to say, but I don't want to start anything. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut type of deal. Yeah. And, and, and look, man, this is, and, and I want everybody listening to this to understand where I'm coming from. This is not a, um, this is not attack on an attack on white people. This is not because I, as a person of color every day, I have to ask God to help me to trust white people because the, the things that I've experienced in life have uh, experiences will cause you to act a certain way. So experiences will cause you to not trust a certain type of people because most of your interactions with those people have turned out bad. It's the same thing with what you'll see women who say, I don't want to talk to any other man. I've talked to five men and they all cheated on me. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. your your only experience with black people might be something that is negative, but you can't hold a whole race of people accountable for something that a, a five people made out of the whole population. So I think that's the biggest thing that for for both people of color, people of non-color, anybody, you have to look within yourself and um, remove any 
doubt, any fear, any grudge. And you got to just give people a chance, man. You got to you got to talk to people and listen to what's really going on, because without communication, man, you can never build a relationship with somebody. It's impossible. Absolutely. One hundred percent. And and I want to emphasize that word. Listen, because, you know, you can have a conversation, but, you know, there's a big difference in just hearing what someone's saying and actually truly listening to what they're saying uh, and, and, you know, utilizing that knowledge, that insight that you gain to make changes in yourself and try to make changes in others. Yes. And, and another thing is that that goes back, you know, you, you want to be able to trust law enforcement. You want to be able to trust Christian people, correct? Yes, that's the two. That's the two type of people who you assume when you hear those two words, you should be able to trust them. Right. You're right. So we'll look back in history and people people would preach a sermon in church. Leave church, put on a hood and go lynch somebody. In the, in the town square. So so now you have people who are living in 2020 who believe you can be a Christian and still have prejudices against people of color. That's dangerous. You, you still have people who, who think it's okay to not let their kids hang out with black kids, not let their kids hang out with white kids. It's, it's the same cycle because they think it's okay because they passed or did it a long time ago. And now you have this form of a racist religion well, people still think they get into heaven with hatred in their heart, man. That's a dangerous thing. And 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 I think the beginning of um, the healing of all this, man, is it got to start with the church, man. You know, we, we have to get those prejudices out of the church. We have to get um, white church, black church, Spanish church. We, we got to get we got to get that out of the out of the system, bro. That has to be talked about. You know, and that that's a good point. And that's something that, you know, I'd be honest, like I haven't heard talked about you know within all this a whole lot uh you know at least when i say heard like let's say the 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 typical media or or the things that we're fed on a daily basis um but you're right and and i think it comes from you know we put these people in a position of authority you know and, and cops and preachers priests reverends you know those are probably people that everybody's going to look at as in a position of authority. And, you know, like you said, we're supposed to be able to trust them because they're in those positions. Yet we're also going to may, you know, we may let their actions dictate what our actions are as well, because they are at that position of authority. Yes. And, and, and until, until this, this is the tough part, man. The, the tough part is once once you figure out what's right, the, the hardest part is doing it. OK, so what, what's happening now is we have a whole bunch of people in this world with this situation that's going on. This one situation, man, and it's causing people to wake up. They're like, man, this this is not right. But then now you got a bunch of people saying, OK, now what? I understand it's not right. I understand um, this is wrong. Okay, so now what do we do? Do do we do we make hashtags? Do we 
that's we have to do things in our community. Number one, in our home. Then, then that's gonna. Once you start doing stuff in your home, you you'll see an immediate change. That's 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 where it begins. But you know, it, it's gonna take it's gonna take time, man. It's, and it's gonna take, like you said, it's gonna be uncomfortable because you're gonna have to unlearn everything that the media has taught you, everything that movies have taught you, everything that music has taught you. It's just even even the history books. I want you to ask yourself this question, JP. I asked, I asked a guy this the other day. Do you think history would be different if if only black people were being in control of writing the history? Do you uh, think yeah, the I mean, would I, be different? I think what we're taught and the way we're taught it would absolutely be different. Okay, so so what I'm saying is now you you have a race of people who had zero input on how they were viewed throughout history. So now white people have a view of people of color that isn't true, but it's been taught as truth. And now we have to deal with it. You get what I'm saying? When yeah. you learn something in school, you assume that your teacher is teaching you correct. Right? Yes, absolutely. So, so, the, so the view that, that, that has been painted of us is not a very good one. And, and once people, once you start to meet people and, and have a conversation with people, you start to see that it's, that's, that's not what it is. Now you have to deprogram yourself from K through 12, what you learned about people of color in the one month a year that we have. You know, and that's like, I'm sitting here like thinking like I've never, you know, I've never looked at it like that. You know, I've never thought to even question anything you know from that standpoint of you know hey this is what this textbook says this is what was taught this is how it is but you know i like this is one of the beautiful things i think coming from this conversation is like i don't think i ever would have thought to question that to be honest uh but it's a very fair point and a valid point in that yeah you're absolutely right you know the the it this stories or these stories were told from a certain point of view that we're going to be skewed towards the, the beliefs of that point of view, you know, and that point of view being, you know, the white, probably a male, you know, for the most part of it. Yes. And that, that's where we are now. And, and now man, 2020 is a time where there really is. And, and, and I hate how the media is, is portraying it. 2020 is the most diverse time in America. You got interracial couples, you got interracial kids, you got uh, black and whites opening businesses together, you got pe people are working together, but there's still an underlying um, ugliness there that isn't, that isn't being called out. You know, and, and people say things like, uh, like people who are our age, they'll say, well, I'm raising my kids uh, not to be like that. That's good. But your kids are, are not the ones who are killing people in the street. It's the older generation that needs to be retaught. How do we reach them? That, that's, that's the major question. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that's 
the tough question to answer because it goes back to you saying now you're, you know, it's, it's hard to reverse years of beliefs and habits and whatever overnight. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's work that obviously needs to be done. Um, and you know, and so you're, it's easy to raise your kids from a certain belief standpoint and build it in from the beginning, you know, whereas it's much harder to take someone that's, 35 that has had a certain belief system and then try to convince them or show them or educate them, whatever you want to call it, that that's not the right way or that there's a better way to view this. Yeah. And look, so, so this is, this is what I believe needs to happen. And, you know, I talked to one of my friends the other day, like his dad is a police officer and, you know, we just, we just talked for about maybe two hours, man, just about, things that need to change the the first thing that needs to change is that it you shouldn't be able to use my skin color against me when you're making a call to the police okay so a perfect example is a few weeks ago the lady tried to call the cops on a guy for bird watching and saying i'm gonna call and say a black man is threatening my life well she already knew that she had the power to do that she knew the she knew the system would react to that description and and those types of things need to be punished when people do those things and and it's for no reason you you should be punished for that falsely accusing people you should be punished for that there's so many cases where men go to jail for years and then they find out the person was lying and nothing happens to the person who lied you know th those those are things that need to be from the jump fixed because you shouldn't be able to do those things and then when they figure out you was lying nothing happens to you and then it just keeps going over and over again until you make a fake call and then somebody gets killed and now we got another issue yeah i agree and, and uh, there absolutely needs to be repercussions for that and like you said if there are none then what's to stop that person from continuing to do it you know it, it, and it may even you know, feed into them their abilities to do it because they know they can get it away. With. You know, they know they can do it. And, you know, if you as a black man piss them off for whatever reason, they know they can make that call. And even if it's to make something up and if, if they find out it's false, they're not going to get in trouble regardless. So what's you know, they have nothing to lose, I guess, just from that standpoint. Yes. And that's that's the that's the dangerous thing right there. Another thing is, you know, people people try to say, well, um, where's the outrage when uh, black on black violence comes? Where's the outrage when this and that? Well, listen, man, when, when black on black violence occurs, it's between two black civilians. OK, it's not between somebody who we think is supposed to be protecting them. That's the difference. You know what I'm saying? Like people try to people try to use black on black violence as a counter to police brutality and and people of color dying unarmed it's not the same they're both bad but one but one of them is by a person who we should trust to be able to protect us and serve us that's the difference yeah and i think you know i think that goes back to like for me i've never had to be scared of that you know i've 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 always trusted cops because I've never had a reason not to trust cops. You know, I've never had that experience. My parents have never had that experience. 
you know, their parents have never had that experience. So I think it's easy for someone like me to, to, you know, maybe, I don't know if it's give the cops a pass, but give them the benefit of the doubt. Benefit of the doubt. That's the word I'm trying to say because of that, because I've never had a negative experience with one. So, you know, and, and I think that's where, again, having these conversations and understanding from people that have and trying to, me trying to get in your shoes of understanding what that feels like to have that fear from someone that you should never have to fear um, is a hard, I mean, it's, it's, to be honest, it's a hard thing for me to, to relate to at this point in my life, you know, it, because I have to really try to understand something that I've never experienced. Yes. And look, this is, this is where, this is where trust comes in. Okay. You, you have to trust that what I'm telling you is fact. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's not, it, it's all up to you to believe what I'm telling you. And that's where relationships come in. I feel that me and you have a relationship that is close enough to where when I tell you something happened to me, you believe what I'm telling you. As opposed to me just being a random guy telling you, hey, I just got pulled over and this cop did something he shouldn't have done. You could be like, well, I don't really know you, so I'm going to get a cop the benefit of the doubt. But when somebody you trust tells you, then you should immediately, you know what I'm saying? take action believe that we'll take it for face value yeah i mean that's for me that's the whole reason i asked you to be on the show because i do I, I don't doubt anything you tell me you know i had you on because i know everything that comes out of your mouth is going to be you know for a purpose and is going to be truth otherwise you know i you know i i Probably wouldn't ask you to be on if I would have thought, well, you know, I don't know if he's going to make stuff up or, you know, whatever. So and I agree with that. I mean, I, you know, I have to trust that those stories are true. And then I have to try to understand what it's like to be in that position for me to see that angle, for me not to just immediately say, well, you know, I've always had good experiences for, with cops. So, why, you know, maybe, you know, I, I should believe the cop rather than, you know, the other person involved. Yes. And look, man, you what you're doing right here, believe it or not, you you have given me the opportunity to speak to white males between the age of 25 and 65 that would have never listened to me before had they met me on the street. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. This this is this is the type of stuff that um, is going to make things happen, man. These these type of opportunities, these types of conversations man because like you said listening is the key listening listening for understanding not listening for you to give me a reply or a rebuttal but just listening to understand man 100% 100% I want to I want to touch on something and I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the rioting and the looting and all this stuff that we see on TV that the media feeds us. I want to give you what I want to do is I want to tell you what my when I see that, what my visceral reaction to it is. OK, I want to tell you what I hear from others, you know, that are like me, white males, their reaction to it. And then I want to get your side and your take on it. OK, Um. so. When I see this, my first relation, you know, I've been a a small business owner 
for almost 13 years. So I see someone looting and burning a business. My first honest reaction is to the side of the business. That's where my mind goes. Like regardless of, you know, obviously we're seeing this based off of a reaction to a racial issue, but you know, this could be any issue, but we're going to tie this to the, what we're seeing today. Um, and you know, I, I honestly, that's where I go. So I feel, I look at it. Okay. If that was my business, how would I feel? And I, and I understand that. Okay. I understand that whatever damage is done pales into, in comparison to the loss of a life period. So, and I also kind of can see it from the standpoint of if my child, my father, my brother was killed in that way, I don't know how I would react. I have no idea how I would react, you know? And so I could see, you know, me maybe making decisions that I wouldn't like right now see as a rational thing to do. But so the point I'm trying to get to is I, I see these things and I see, well, what is, I guess the purpose? I don't understand what this reaction to that level serves. And that's kind of the sentiment that I hear from other people in my community is, you know, they can understand peaceful protesting. They can understand protesting and the right to protest. But when it goes to that level, they can't relate to that. So I can't relate to just years and decades of pent up frustration as a community. You know, I can relate somewhat to, you know, maybe reacting acutely to the death of a family member, but not as a community because I've never been a part of a community that's been persecuted for, you know, ever, let alone a, a you know, significant period of time. So I want to try to understand, you know, what your thoughts on that are, first and foremost, and then what, you know, I guess the reasoning behind it, I don't know the, the exact words I'm trying to get out, but where does that come from, I guess, maybe is a better way to look at it. Okay, I'll, I'll start here because everybody, everybody wants to use the word peaceful protest, okay? I'm going to throw a name out there to you, and you probably already know what I'm fit to say. Colin Kaepernick took a knee. I don't know how much more peaceful you can get, and they crucified him because they tried to make it something that it wasn't. They tried to make it look like he was disrespecting the veterans. They tried to make it look like he didn't love America. So that peaceful protest wasn't good enough. So now you have people who are, it's the same people who are trying to distract you from the peaceful protest. They're trying to put all the emphasis on rioting. Man, you'd have to be an idiot to agree with damaging somebody else's property because you don't like something that happened that nobody, nobody agrees with that. Nobody is justifying that nobody that is 1000% wrong to vandalize property period. There's no, there's no good reason to do that, but we can't, we can't let that take our, concentration off of the problem at hand. Yes, it's bad it's happening. Yes, it shouldn't be happening. Those people need to be prosecuted. Yes. But the task at hand is we need to fix this system that's going on. Okay, so 
Uh, here's an example for you. There's a guy, um, our safety school officer, okay? This guy's name is Joe T, white guy. This guy is Christian. He's all about doing what's right. He's all, me and him talking about Jesus every time I see him. He's a great guy. But guess what? Everybody not like him. So I can't assume that every officer has my well-being just as he can't assume that every black person he meets is going to uphold the law. Did you get what I'm saying? So we, we can't look at, okay, there's people rioting. That's how everybody feels about the situation. We can't do that. Those people are wrong. You know what I'm saying? So, so don't, don't lump in people who are protesting about this situation with people who are rioting because er, nobody wants to be lumped into a group, right? You don't want to be lumped into a group of racist white man in the mid-30s. You see what I'm saying? So I have to be able to separate the truth from the fluff, the truth from the crap, because the media is trying to paint a picture of the, the, the protesters are doing things in a violent manner. They aren't. Man, I, I live in South Louisiana, and in Lake Charles, this week alone, we've had three peaceful protests. Nobody got shot. Nobody got killed. Nobody got looted. No, nothing. So the media is not going to show you that because they want you to believe that Black Lives Matter blowing up people's houses. and No, man, that's not what's going on. We, we are trying to start a conversation, man. As crazy as it sounds, all of this is just to start a conversation that needs to happen, that has been needing to happen since I was born, since before I was born. And people still refuse to have that conversation because they choose to let the media distract them. I am, I am nowhere, nowhere close in support of people rioting or looting. That's a, that, that is like, that's not helping anything. Nobody deserves it. Nobody, that, that's, that is counterproductive. And, and I'll be honest, like, I think that's what, I think people need to hear that, and, and maybe they're not listening, so I'm, I, I doubt you're the first, you know, black man or black woman to come out against that. But like you said, you know, I haven't seen it, and I haven't, you know, I don't watch a lot of news. I choose not to watch a lot of news, but, you know, I, from what I see out there, it's to your point that they're shoving in our face. You know, it's 24-7 buildings burning and, you know, people attacking people. And that's the coverage on any protesting on the majority of channels, majority of probably social media shares. And then we could go so deep into the issues with those platforms and just feeding people's preconceived beliefs as, you know, further feeding them. Uh you know, and how all that works. But, you know, I, I think it's good. I think it's good. So I don't, so to go back to Colin Kaepernick, like personally, I don't, you know, I never had an issue. I didn't care. Like he wasn't hurting anybody. I, you know, I didn't, maybe I didn't fully understand it, but it didn't bother me from a standpoint, but I did hear a lot of people that it did bother. And I never understood why it bothered them, you know, because a, most of these people that complained it bothered, never served in the military so you know (laughs) we can start there you know you've never even put your life on the line for this flag that you're so 
you know, apt to protect because of this, you know, of this black man kneeling. And then, I, frankly, a lot of people that I know served in the military were more on the side of at very least not caring, if not supporting him, you know. And so, you know, I start to see those things. I'm like, well, man, if this man, this, this person I know who, you know, went to Iraq to put his life on the line for this flag, if he doesn't care or even more so if he supports him, you know, why, why should anybody, you know, why does anybody else have a problem with it? Um, but I do understand your point is, okay, we tried this. This is how you reacted to it. What do you want us to do as well? You know, and so, but I think that, you know, I, I don't understand it. I'll be honest with you. I don't understand the reaction to it personally. I never understood the reaction, the negative reaction to that. Um, you know, that, that was always a hard thing for me to kind of, to figure out is like, why, you know, why, why do you, why can someone like pour so much energy to be against that? Like that, I never grasped that aspect of it. Uh, to be, and when I say against that, to be against, you know, Colin Kaepernick kneeling or any other football player kneeling during the national anthem, like to the point, you know, where people are, I'm never going to watch NFL football again. I'm selling my season tickets. You know, I'm burning journeys like jerseys like that. You know, that takes so much negative energy to like react like that. I've never understood that. But but that that energy is fed by media. I agree. agree. There's literally people who sit in their homes and every free hour that they have, they're watching the news, just waiting for them to say something to, to be programmed. And and those are the, those are dangerous types of people, because those those are the people who are what I call puppets. You, you're being led by biased information, and 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 you you're giving a hundred percent to something that's only fifty percent true. Agree, and I and that's it's I think it's even more so when you get into social media, especially Facebook and. You know, I don't if if you know anything about their algorithms, all they do is feed you more of what you consume. Um, so if you consume a certain media outlet or a certain, you know, whether it's conservative, liberal, whatever, they're going to feed you more of that. That's just going to further uh, grow your beliefs that you already have. And so you you never get exposed to the other side. And, you know, that's that's obviously a huge problem in politics in general but but even topics like this like race you know if you're fed one view of these protests as you say as that view only being look at all these people you know rioting and looting and and tearing up these businesses well obviously what are you going to believe you know so it's just going to further feed your beliefs that that's what everybody is doing to protest this, this, uh, you know, this death and, and all the other ones before it. Um, and, and so I, I think it's our job as just human beings to seek out that because it's not, you know, if you don't seek it, I don't think it's going to be given to you this day and age. You know, the, when I say seek it out, the, the other side or the, the other ideas, other views on any topic. Um, you know, I think, you know, everything, we're designed around is designed to feed what we already know and we already believe and what we're comfortable with. And it's our job to step out of that, to seek that. Yeah. It's, bro, it's like anything else. Okay. So let's say right now I want to change the way I eat. I want to cut out cars. I want to cut out sugar, whatever you pick, whatever you want to cut out. 
when you start to take that out of your diet, you're going to get headaches. You're going to be tired at first. You're going to, it's going to have a negative effect on your body, but you know, you're doing it for the good. Eventually you're going to start feeling better. What people need to do is remove themselves from these images they're seeing, from these stories they're reading, and, and start to get to have these conversations with people. Yes, it's going to suck at first. Yes, it's going to be awkward at first. But just know that it's for, the, it's for the better good of humanity, not just for Black people. It's for the good of everybody that we sit down at a table and have this conversation, man, to see what's really going on. Because... Right now, we're saying Black Lives Matter. But in reality, this, this is a human issue. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. This, yeah. This, this issue affects everybody. Because what happens to me is going to affect you somewhere down the line. An example, a riot. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think the biggest thing, the biggest problem with this is we we're taking this human issue this issue of just basic human decency of you know treating everyone the same loving everyone you know however you want to put it we start to compartmentalize and politicize it and turn it into a bunch of things that it isn't and it is just about you know being a good person when it, i mean you know when you come down to it it's about like i shouldn't treat you any differently than i treat this person over there this person over here, you know, whether you're male, female, black, white, whatever. And, and, you know, I think, you know, I think we kind of, you know, I don't know, overcomplicates the word or, or, or skew it or whatever it is and turn it into an issue that it, it never was, you know, turn it into a political thing when it's should have nothing to do with politics. It should just have something with being good human decency. Yes. And I'm, I'm going to use the term blind allegiance, okay? There's some people out there that no matter what a Democrat uh, candidate says, they're going to be a Democrat. No matter what a Republican uh, candidate says, they're going to be a Republican. There's some people out there who are so one-sided that they pledge their allegiance to white people. They pledge their allegiance to black people. I'm going to tell you right now, bro, if I'm walking down the street and I see a black dude murder somebody, I'm not just going to walk back in my house and say, well, hey, man, he's black. You know, maybe he should have did. No. You're going to jail. I'm about to tell on you. I don't see how people just see things happen and just don't don't say anything about it. You know what I'm saying? Because, because of that allegiance. Because of they'll defend this thing to the end, even if they know it's wrong. We have to get away from that. That that's what's going to help humanity. I agree, and and I would say that for a lot of the issues that we we experience, you know, in our country or in the world, I think that's a huge problem behind it. Um, because, like you said, your your allegiance is to this one belief system, and whatever they do, right, wrong, or otherwise, you're going to back that up because of that. And so, like we, I think. You know, we turn into essentially more or less robots when it comes to that. Yes. You know, rather rather than humans being able to say, well, okay, that's wrong. I don't agree with that, even though, you know, you're white, you're Republican, you're whatever group I want to put you in that I'm, you know, I, I, I you know, swear my allegiance to. 
it's we you know we get to the point where we we're not able to make decisions and be individuals and agree and disagree with things that we feel are right or wrong because of that you know and again it's something i don't understand what you know whether it comes to just general politics or any of these issues how someone can just agree with something for the simple fact because the guy has a you know an r behind his name or a d behind his name and not even listening to the words they're saying a lot of the times you know i don't think people even truly listen to it it's just like hey this white man said this this republican said this this democrat said this i'm gonna agree with them and i you know most of the time i don't really even understand or know what they're saying you know i don't i'm not even taking the time to educate myself on what they're saying yeah and and you'll and you'll see this happening a lot like you'll see a lot of people right now you'll see like some of my white friends on facebook they'll post a video of a black dude agreeing with their side and and are using it like well, this is how all black people feel. No, bro, you found you found one black guy to agree with you, and now you you're trying to use it as a blanket statement. And people that ever white people, they say, "Well, look, this white guy says this." So, no, man, <laughs> we have to take things at face value. Okay, I'm talking to you right now, JP. You you don't represent the whole white race. I don't represent the whole black race. This conversation is between two people who have a mutual agreement to want to get better. I want to get better. You want to get better. We're having this awkward conversation for the betterment of ourselves, which will better our community. You see what I'm saying? There's no agenda here. There's no, um, I'm trying to get votes. There's no, I'm trying to get views. I'm trying to get likes. This is some legit, look, bruh, we got to make something happen. And and these conversations need to take place, man, because if not, it's just going to be more and more crap going on and people just talking out the side of their neck and, and, and nothing. People just talking words into the air. When I speak, I want my words to go into your heart. I want my words to go into your mind. I want my words to, to penetrate whatever fears you have, whatever doubts you have um, with people that look like me. That that's my goal, man. I'm not just out here talking just to talk. I agree. And I think that's where, you know, I think these conversations need to come from people like you and me. You know, they're not going to come from the politicians because they have an agenda. You know, they're not going to come from people with agendas and be honest, you know, in my opinion, at least. You know, they're always going to have some kind of a other Underline. ulterior motive. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like you said, you know, my main focus was for this just to be a conversation between you and I. And, you know, for me to learn selfishly, for me to learn, for me to, to, to try to understand. But I know a lot of people who are like me. And my hope is, you know, if they listen to this, maybe they understand. Or maybe they reach out to someone that they know, that they trust, that's black to have the same conversation. You know, that, and then yes. that, that spreads. You know, that's, I think that's how this has to change. Exactly. That that's the that's the goal, man. And and look, and here's and, and another thing for the listeners, uh, if you're still listening. If you if you have a black person in your life that you that you are acquainted with, that you are a co-worker with, that you you know, that that you know, have a have have this conversation with them. And and if you don't have a person of color in your life, then then that right there should let you know that that that's a problem 
you need to step outside of your comfort zone and find somebody to 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 have a relationship with. And and I don't want to hear the excuse, well, there's there's not any black people around where I'm at, or there's no white people around. They somewhere. You you just gotta you gotta look. And and until you do, you're gonna still be living in this bubble of privilege, this bubble of um lack of knowledge and you just walking around and, and people dying next to you and you don't you don't know you can't understand why it's happening because you have not had a conversation with somebody who's different than you what's crazy is everybody lives in america but there's like 18 different views of what america is think about that america to you is not the same america to me and, you know, when you hear people say, let's make America great again, I, I'm still waiting on a time when it was great. Because from the time I from the stories I heard from my grandfather, it wasn't great then. From the stories I heard from my dad, it wasn't great then. It wasn't great when I grew up. And it's a doggone show ain't great now. So when, what is this time frame we're trying to go back to? And And that phrase itself should show you how America is different for people of color than it is for white America. For white America, it was great for a time. For white America, it was the best time in their lives. They would like to go back to that, but not for me. I don't want to go back to them times to where I can't walk on the same sidewalk as a white man, to where I can't drink in the same water fountain, to where I can't eat in the same restaurant. That's not a great time for me. So I think we have to, we have to really accept the fact that it really wasn't great for everybody. And I, and I think that is moving forward, how we're going to, like, come together and overcome this. It was never great for everybody. It was great for a few. And it's, and now it's time for those few to make it great for everybody. And, and, and we can do that together, man, but it's going to take conversations like this. And more than one of them, to be exact. Yeah, and I am, you know. I think those conversations have to continue. You know, it, it's it's got to it's it's going to take a long time. To, I mean, the reality is it's going to take time to make changes like this and to change, you know, people's hearts and people's minds that have been one way of life. And the only way to do that is to keep pushing it and to keep having these conversations and over and over again and with different people. And and, you know, like I said, I think I think this is just my opinion in general is I think that change has to kind of come from the bottom up. You know, it's got to come from the masses. It's got to come from people like you and I who, you know, I mean, I, my influence is whoever listens to this podcast, which might be 60 to 100 people at best, you know, but that's more than than zero, which I was doing before. So I feel like you, you can't even if it's one person. It's still worth having that conversation and worth moving forward. Yeah, and, and look, I think I think people put we we put too much um, trust in politicians and, and and people like that. If we would, like you just said, if we would change things in our community, they would have to listen. The reason why they aren't listening now is because we fighting each other, so they can hide behind whatever they want as long as we fighting each other. But if we if we come together like on some legit, listen, bro. This is what everybody wants. This is what everybody says. They got to listen. But they know that if we're divided, that's why they keep showing riots and stuff on TV to make you think that we're not coming together, man. 
my community is coming together. I can't tell you how many phone calls and text messages and, and um, Facebook personal messages I've been getting from people just asking me, can you talk to me? I just want to listen. I want to hear from your side. And, and, and these conversations are happening, man. And, and, and understanding is coming from them. It's not an argument. It's not a, th- these are legit conversations happening where both sides want to get better. And, and that's how we're going to defeat this thing, man. Agree. I 100% agree with that. Well, look, we're, we're coming up on about an hour. Uh, so whoever's still listening, I want to give you, you know, maybe a few more minutes if there's anything that, that we haven't touched on that you want to mention, if there's some final parting words, whatever you want to put out there, I want to give you just a little, you know, another take as long as you want. Don't feel limited, but I want to give you some time just to, to say anything else that you want to say to the people, to that people that are going to be listening to this. Well, first, if, if you're still listening, I want to say thank you for listening, man, because this is something that it should be happening across the nation right now. This is, these are the conversations that should be happening on TV. These are the conversations that you should be um, putting your energy into instead of um, using energy to focus on something that has nothing to do with the issue at hand. Um, I also want to say that, and I said this on one of my videos, you and I will never become us as long as there's something in between us. We can never become unified as long as there is something standing in, our, in, in the middle of us. So we have to do our best to eliminate that obstacle, that fear, that doubt, that mistrust, um, that hate. If it's hate, we need to remove that too, man. But the, we have to become unified if we're going to overcome this. this I'm going to call it a cancer because it spreads. It's something that spreads and we need to overcome this together. And, you know, a lot of people say um, it's going to take prayer. It's going to say, yes, it's going to take a lot of prayer and it's going to take a lot of action. It's not only we just going to sit back and pray about it and, and don't do anything about it. We need you to pray and we need you to act on these things. And, and I believe that that is the main thing that's going to propel this thing forward, man conversations with people in your own community. If we can each do our part in our own community, I can promise you that that we will win. So, man, I thank y'all for your time. JP, bro, I really, I appreciate you, man, more than you know. Um, but this is, this is something that I hope it doesn't end here. You know, I hope we have uh, more conversations about things. You know, maybe even if it's not on, tape but just just more dialogue man on what we both can do to help our community man absolutely i'm all for it i'm all for it phil hang on tight uh because i I got a few things i'm gonna tell you once we stop the recording but again for coming on i want to thank everybody who stayed on the entire hour and and you know let's start taking steps forward and taking action and having these conversations and i I definitely want to keep this going, whether it's on, off tape, whatever. You know, let's keep this going and, and, and don't just stop with this one conversation for sure. All right, go ahead. Yeah, look, let me, let me pray at the end of this, man. Let me, let me give you a quick prayer. 
Okay. God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just come before you today, God. We thank you for this conversation that we just had, God. Lord, we pray that our words, God, penetrate the hearts of these listeners, God. Lord, to just soften their hearts, God. Give them an understanding, God, of what needs to be done, God. Let this um, conversation just be a help to people, God. Don't let it be a hindrance, God, but just let it propel people um, to go forward to do the right thing, God. We're just thanking you ahead of time for the victory over this whole situation, God, because we know that there's nothing stronger than you, God. You are bigger than any situation that we can face, God, and through you, God, Lord, we can win. In Jesus Christ's holy name, we pray these things, and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the show. Bye-bye.